you have to pray for our staff. <laughs> they told me in no uncertain terms that since I'm already on my way out, I got no more juice with them. <laughs> Do you know life is about perspective? You might see a 70, but I see a 10. Come on, somebody. Perspective. Perspective. I have a word for you today. The word for today is someday. Everybody say that. Someday. By definition, this word means that it speaks to a future time. Someday. Someday, this pandemic is going to be over. Someday, I'm going to lose the 10 pounds I gained during this pandemic. (laughs) And someday, Chicagoans will finally acknowledge that New York pizza is the best pizza in the world. Come on, someday. You see how fast you fall out of love with me? How fickle you are? The word for today is someday. A future time it speaks about. And last week, we covered the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how through his resurrection, we have been made right with God. Through his resurrection, we have not just the forgiveness of sin, but we're in a right relationship with God. And we are connected to the power of God that can then, as in Christ, raise Christ, can also raise us up from whatever circumstance might be creating death in our life. And today, I want to continue now because as we celebrated the resurrection, we now want to look at Right after the resurrection, we come to the book of Acts in chapter 1. I want to read a few verses starting in verse 9. Listen. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. He's talking about Jesus. And they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday, come on, say someday with me. Someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. From the resurrection of Jesus Christ, several days later, we have the ascension of Jesus Christ where he was taken up into heaven and someday he will return. This is the great hope of the church of Jesus Christ that someday Jesus Christ will return to gather those who have put their faith in him so that we might be with him in in heaven forever and ever, for all eternity. But until that someday comes, I want to take a a brief look at what Jesus is doing while he is in heaven. 
So um, I want to read a few verses for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Listen, for Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. The book of Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, he, meaning Jesus, lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. So someday Jesus Christ is going to return for the church. Someday Jesus Christ is going to come back for everyone that has put their faith in him and to take them to be with him for all eternity. But until that someday comes, we now have this glimpse into heaven. We're given this window into heaven and it teaches us that until that someday, Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God the Father and he is pleading to God on our behalf. He is interceding. That's a big fancy word that just simply means he is standing in the gap for you and for me. He's praying for you and for me. So right now, if I could use humanistic terms, uh, 24 seven, uh, right now in heaven, Jesus Christ is praying for everyone that has put their faith in him. So if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've embraced him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to be encouraged this morning. Please know that right now, as I am speaking, Jesus is praying for you. Come on, look at your neighbor. Tell him Jesus is praying for you right now. I love this, this truth this, that teaches us right now that no matter what our struggles may be, no matter where we may find ourselves throughout the course of the day, at every moment of every day, every breath that you take is a breath that Jesus is praying for. He is constantly praying for his people. Which brings to us to the next question. Just what is Jesus praying for? If he is praying for you right now, what is he praying for? Well, we can spend years talking about the many things that he's praying for us, right? Today's focus centers upon one of the important factors of our Christian journey that I believe the Lord is constantly praying for you and for me. Because someday... The Lord is going to return. Now, if I can just take a step back regarding that, I felt I really need to make sure that we're all on the same page and and knowing this. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, speaking about that someday. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. Jesus was teaching his disciples about the end times and what was going to happen prior to his return. And then, of course, his return. But then he made sure he wanted his disciples, all his followers to know, no one knows the day or the hour. And throughout the course of Christian history, unfortunately, we find people on occasion declare or claim that they know when Jesus is going to come back. 
and they communicate that to people in an effort to try to gain followers for themselves, even though Jesus himself said, no one knows the day or the hour. And I want to make sure that we share that this morning so that all of us can guard our hearts. Don't ever listen to anyone that tells you that they know when Jesus is going to return. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what title that they hold. Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. So let's not get caught up into that kind of stuff. And guard our hearts with that. We should never get caught up on when the Lord is going to return. But we should be preparing for his return. We should be preparing for someday. Come on, say someday with me. I believe that that's one of the things that the Lord right now is praying for you and for me. that, that, That you and I are living in such a way so as to be preparing for some day, the day that he's going to return. And toward that, I have two thoughts with, for you this morning. And they're found from the gospel of Luke. So Luke chapter 12, if you have your Bible, turn there quickly. Luke chapter 12, we're talking about preparing for some day. I'm going to begin reading in verse 35. Be, this is Jesus now, again, speaking to his followers. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then, everybody say then, then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put them on an apron, on an apron and serve them as they eat, sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn. But whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are what? Ready. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, He would not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. So, two thoughts on preparing for someday that Jesus outlined in this few verses. Number one, he said, be dressed and ready for service. Be dressed and ready for service. Now, what was he talking about? Well, we have to travel back now to understand in, in those biblical times, men did not wear pants. They had a, a long uh, coat, if you will, uh, a smock, if you will, that uh, on, on the outside would look like a dress. And so what they did when they were going to be service, uh, when they were going to be ready, as in this case, when Jesus talked about be dressed and ready, they would take the, the dress portion and they, they would bring it up and they would stuck, stick it into their belt, essentially making like culottes or a pair of pants. And that way they could move about freely and do whatever the master required. Are you following me so far? So in other words, what Jesus is saying, when he talks about be dressed and ready for service, he's talking about you have to live with a focus. You have to live with a priority on serving. You got to be ready. 
if you want to prepare for someday, you have to be ready. And you get ready by, by making sure that you are dressed and ready to serve. That your focus in life is serving. And there are people now that say, well, I serve the Lord. I love God and I serve God. And oftentimes, people get confused and they think that they can serve God without serving people. I'm here to tell you this morning that that's a lie. You cannot serve God if you're not serving others. It's a fallacy to think that you can serve God without serving others. The truth is, we serve God by serving others. You see, and so listen to what the Bible says in Galatians chapter five, verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. In the book of Ephesians chapter six, verse seven, it says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. And then Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, for even the son of man came not to serve, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me break out those. Notice we've been called to freedom through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his blood that was spilt on the cross of Calvary. The power of sin has been broken into our lives. And so now we have been set free from sin and sin used to control this thing called the sinful nature. Every single one of us is born with a sinful nature. I'm sorry to tell this to you, but no, I'm not sorry. There is no one here that was born an angel. Come on, look at your neighbor, tell them that you were not born an angel. And of course... There are exceptions to that rule. Just ask my mother. She'll tell you I was born an angel. <laughs> we all have this thing called a sinful nature, which simply means we, it is natural for you and I to sin. Yes. It is unnatural to serve God, but it is natural to sin. But now the Bible says when God sets you free, when you embrace Jesus Christ as your savior and the power of sin is broken in your life. Now the Bible says, don't use this freedom from the power of sin in your life to indulge it, to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use it to serve others. Now, what satisfies the sinful nature? I can tell you what's at the top of the list. Selfishness. Every single one of us, part of this sinful nature is we are selfish. The world revolves around us. That is the foundation of the word selfishness. It's all about me, myself, and I. I love myself. Love myself. Love myself. I come to church because I expect to be blessed. It's about I. I come to church so that Pastor Jason and the worship team can bless me. It's about I. 
and you know that you are living a selfish life when you wind up switching churches. This is my last Sunday preaching, so here it goes. You know that you are living a selfish life when you're changing from church to church because it no longer blesses you. Because it's always been about you. And yet, the Bible says, if you want to prepare to be ready for the Lord's return for that someday, you have to live serving others. You have to come to church and realize, walking through that door, it's not about me, it's about others. I am not here to be served, I am here to serve. That is the spirit of Jesus Christ. Because he told his disciples, I did not come to be served, I came to serve. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ was here in the flesh? Every one of us in the natural would want to serve him. But Jesus said, that's not what I'm about. I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. Every time you see an usher serving you, you see Jesus. Every time you see the media people on a camera or in a booth, you see Jesus. When you walk down the corridor and you register your children and, and, and coppice kids, every teacher, every assistant, you see Jesus. Because Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. Would you say amen to that? Okay. Now notice, there's also a level of serving. Because Ephesians said, you have to serve wholeheartedly. As if you were serving the Lord, not people. Which means, we got to have the right attitude serving. Oh, well, this is the tough one now. Because see, in my ushering days, if I'm ushering and you gave me an attitude, you better pray that I had met with God that morning. Because if I didn't, I would let you know. Well, I don't want to sit here. You're going to sit there or you're not going to sit anywhere. Hello. What do you think this is? You can come to church and sit wherever you want. We get to Christianette and a parent is not happy and you behind that counter and like in your heart, you're like, who she thinks she is getting all loud with me? <laughs> Attitude. Attitude matters to God. God doesn't just want us to serve, but he wants us to serve with all of our hearts as if we're serving God and not people, which means when an usher comes and he's helping you, he's really helping Jesus. He's doing it for the Lord. When we look at doing it for people just in that narrow scope, then we put ourselves on that precipice that if we're having a good day, it's all right. But if we're not having a good day, there's trouble. There's attitudes. There's facial expressions that instead of encouraging people to come to the church saying, I'm out of here. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, we've all been in that place. So we need to recognize that God wants us to serve, but he also wants us to serve with all of our hearts, serving one another as if we're actually serving the Lord. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord is in that person. 
So we need to make sure that we are preparing for someday and we do that by serving with all of our heart. Because, listen to me now, it is impossible to prepare for that someday when the Lord will return. It is impossible to be ready for the, for the return of Jesus Christ if we are not serving one another. Amen. If you are not actively engaged in one form or another in serving, you are not prepared for the Lord's return. And I want to encourage you today. There's so many different areas that you can get actively involved in, not just here in the church itself, as important as that is and as wonderful as that is, but there are other outside even ministries that God could lead you to, to serve others. Sister Maria is here who goes to a prison to minister to men in prison, serving others, doing what somebody else would not consider doing. God has a purpose and a plan for every single one of our lives. And no one is called to sit and do nothing. God wants you and I to serve. That's how we prepare for that someday. We're actively engaged with all of our hearts in serving the Lord. Because we're never more like Christ than when we serve others. Amen? Amen? So preparing for something. Number one, we got to be dressed and ready for service. The second thing Jesus said is, keep your lamps burning. Keep your lamps burning. In other words, don't let the oil run out. Don't, don't let that fire be extinguished because you ran out of oil. Let me turn to Matthew's gospel really quick here, chapter 5. And looking at a, a few verses beginning in verse 14. Listen to what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, your serving... Shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Our life is a lamp. And we are to make sure that this lamp is shining, that the fire of this lamp never goes out. Now, the analogy of the lamp, in order to keep the lamp burning, we need oil. Now, this lamp this, that's burning speaks of our service. It speaks of wholeheartedly the attitude of our service. And it also deals with the character of life. Our character should shine brightly in this dark world. People should know instinctively that there is something about us that's different by the way we conduct ourselves, by the way that we talk, whether it's on our job, whether it's at school, whether it's in our neighborhood, people should identify. They may not be able to pinpoint what it is, but they, something in them will say, that, that person is different. I wonder what that is. You see? Why? It's, it's the light that is shining. How many know we live in a dark world? We live in a world that's getting progressively darker. 
where sin is abounding even more and more. And it is more important that at this critical hour that you and I are shining brightly for the Lord and we, uh, that our character is shining bright so that people can give praise to the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that our, our service is wholeheartedly so that people can give praise to the Lord. Keep your lamp burning. In order to do that, you need oil. And in the Bible, oil symbolizes the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God teaches us for once, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right. And then in verse 18 of the same chapter, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't get caught up in the enjoyment of this world. That's being drunk with wine. It symbolizes, it represents, wine symbolizes the joy and the pleasures that this world has to offer. And so the Bible is teaching us, don't focus your life on enjoying the pleasures that this world has to offer. Don't be drunk on that stuff. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word and phrase is written in the present continuous tense in the Greek, which means continually be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Be filled continually with the Spirit of the Lord. Why? Because we live in this dark world, because we're surrounded by an increase of wickedness all around us and sin, uh, that the lamp within us starts to flicker. The oil starts to run out. And ultimately, we need to fill it back up with oil. There is no one here that can say, I was filled with the Spirit of God once, and that's all that I need. We all need constant filling of the Spirit of God because only the Spirit of God can give you and I the power that we need to live right in this dark world. It's not about human effort. It's not about personal morality. It's understanding is the Spirit of God in me that empowers me to live right before God, that empowers me to serve wholeheartedly. It's the Spirit of God that produces the character of Christ within me. And that light shines brightly. And the exhortation of the Bible is that you and I need to go to God every single day and say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit today. Fill me with the Holy Spirit because I want to keep my fire burning. One more thing about the fire. Pastor Jason, if you would come. The lamp burning also symbolizes passion. Passion. And when I talk about passion, I'm talking about how we feel about living for God. How we feel about our relationship for God. Because of this human nature that we have that is fallen, that is sinful, everything in life ebbs and flows. This is one of the major reasons why we have so many divorces in, in this country and in this world. Why? Because today I'm in love with you emotionally, Tomorrow I'm not. 
And when I'm not, then it's time to break that up because God wants me happy. See, the emotion of love goes up and down. But the commitment, the will of love is steady and constant. And so, because of this ebb and flow in life, it's, it happens in every fact. You get to a point where, I love my new job. Oh, thank you, God, for that new job. A month later, God, I need another job. I hate that job. I hate that job. Yeah, ebb and flows. Right? If you're a Puerto Rican, how many Puerto Ricans I have in the house? What's the staple of every Puerto Rican household? Rice and beans. I never get tired of rice and beans. Can I have rice and beans with pasta? <laughs> but truthfully, do you ever get tired of it? Sure. Italians, you ever get tired of pasta? No, oh, that's a sin, Pastor. That could never happen. Human nature, we get tired of things. And then we're looking for a change. We get tired of churches. I got to change. You know. But see, what we don't realize is that also happens with our relationship with God. Oh, yeah. If we're not careful, we get tired of God. We get tired of doing the same thing week in and week out. We get tired of singing the songs. We get tired of reading our Bible. I read my Bible. I had somebody once told me, I read the Bible from cover to cover. I don't need to read it again. Just get tired. I'm looking for change. I'm done with that. And before you realize it, even though there's a portion of you that loves God, there's also a portion of you that doesn't love God anymore. The love has grown cold. That's why Jesus said prior to his return, prior to that someday, the love of many will grow cold. The passion will die out. And I've discovered in this own wicked heart that in order to keep my passion going for God, I need the spirit of God. I need God to fill me with his spirit so that I can be passionate first and foremost for him. Loving him, worshiping him. Because we, we all know what, and we've all been there where we can sing the songs and we sing them without passion. We go through the motions. We read our Bibles without passion. We pray without passion. And I'm not talking about emotion just for emotion's sake, but when passion grips your heart, there's a seriousness that enters in that you don't have when you don't have passion, you see. When you kiss your woman passionately, how many wives know that's a different kiss? You can tell the difference. Well, don't you think God can tell the difference when you kiss him with your worship? He knows what's passionate and what's not. And that's why Jesus said, come, come. I'll fill you with the spirit of the Lord. I'll fill you with my spirit. Don't let the fire go out. Brothers and sisters, we don't have time, but this goes all the way back to the Old Testament when they, when they created the tabernacle and there was the, the lamp that was to be kept burning in the presence of the Lord. The commandment from God was don't let the fire go out. Keep the lamp burning. God didn't need it for himself. It was all symbolism for you and I that we need to keep the fire going. Don't let your lamp go out. 
because Jesus told a story to his disciples one day. He said there were ten virgins, uh, ten, ten bridesmaids, and and the and the bride the groom was coming, but it was a little bit late, and, and so they each had a lamp, but five of them had extra oil, and five didn't, and all ten fell asleep waiting for someday. But when someday came, the ones that had the extra oil, they trimmed their lamps and the fire was there and they were able to enter in. But the five who were foolish, the Bible calls it, and didn't have any oil, they went out to try to find some. But while they were doing that, the bridegroom came and he went into the feast and the door was shut. And later on, those other five wanted to come in. But the bridegroom said, I'm sorry, you cannot. Brothers and sisters, if we allow the fire to go out, if we allow the passion to go out, and it's in that moment that someday arrives, we will be in big trouble before God. And the word of the Lord for us today is, my brothers and sisters, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't try, to, don't try to reason it away. Don't try to excuse it away. If you're in that point where you, in your life, there's not a passion, there's not a fire for God, acknowledge that and go to God. He's such a gracious God. He's ready to fill us with the Spirit of the Lord. And all we need to do is ask. Blessed be His wonderful name. Amen? Come on, stand with me. Too.